1 John chapter 4, commencing at verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he is in God. And we, so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his <coughs> brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Thanks, Ellie. Uh, keep your Bibles open. We're going to work our way through these verses. There's some sections in there which are a little hard when you first read them. They, they seem a little strangely written. We're going to try and pick them apart and come to understand them together today. Uh, so please keep it in front of you so you can follow along. Uh, I've got a couple of questions for the kids, for the older kids who are going to be listening this morning that you can uh, listen out for. Uh, first of all, in the first half, I'm going to mention a tricky word. Um, you might get mum and dad to help you spell it. But what I want you to listen for is the meaning of that tricky word. Uh, and for a bonus point, uh, you can figure out how it relates to love. So that's your first question. Listen for a, a tricky word and look out for the meaning. And the second question is, uh, why is love scary? Why is love scary? And how can we not be scared by it? That's a bit of a weird sounding question, but hopefully it will all make sense. Why is love scary and how can you not be scared by it? That's in the second half. All right, I've got a question for everyone else then. Uh, what is the greatest love story of all time? You don't have to yell out an answer because uh, I've discovered the correct answer this week when I Googled that question. And the correct answer is Romeo and Juliet. So put away your Titanic, put away your Wally or whatever. The <laughs> it's a great love story. Uh, the correct answer is Romeo and Juliet. That is the greatest love story of all time. Uh, I particularly like the Baz Luhrmann version um, in the early 2000s. I thought that was quite good. 
but, but whichever version you like, even if you like Shakespeare's original, you've got to admit that all the great uh, elements of a good love story are there, aren't they? Uh, love crossing boundaries, love overcoming obstacles, overcoming challenges, uh, love taking risks, love sh- uh, sacrificing, love struggling. I mean, that's what makes a good love story, isn't it? It is a great story. But I think we often forget that Romeo and Juliet is actually a tragedy. (laughs) Uh, If you read right to the end, which is the part we don't really like very much, it ends really badly. In fact, it ends in death for both Romeo and Juliet. It's it's actually a really sad story. It's, It's a tragedy. So what's that saying about love? What's that telling us about love if the greatest love story our world knows ends in disaster? Is that the best we can hope for? Sadness? Disappointment? Is, is that where love ends in our world? Well, I hope you agree that over the last few weeks, we've been seeing that John has said over and over again to us, no, that that's not where love ends. There is a better love, a, a love with a better ending. And in fact, there is a far better love story. And we actually just read it before. It's a love that also crosses boundaries, a love that also takes risks, a love that sacrifices and struggles against its odds. Yes, it is a love that actually ends in death as well, or results in death, but a love that continues from there into life, a love that is life and a love that is life-giving and it's a love for us, a love for you and me. And as we're seeing today, a love for us to show to one another as well. (laughs) But how? (laughs) How can we do that? I mean, how is that possibly realistic? How can you and I be called upon to show the same love as God? I mean, love's hard, isn't it? Just loving one another in a little bit is hard. How can we do that? And, And not just do that once, but how can we do that as a pattern of life? Are we up to it? Well, Jesus loves us deeply and profoundly. This passage reminds us just how much, and it shows us how we can love like him, confidently and boldly and enduringly. And that's what we're going to unpack together this morning as we work our way through these verses today. Now, as you'll have seen right from the get-go, the call on us is actually very simple. It's right there at the top. We've seen it before in this letter. Love one another. The call is very simple. The reasoning, on the other hand, is very deep. And I want you to see this. Look at verse 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. I just want to stop there. We we see two things here. First of all, love is from God. Uh, What that's saying is that all love has as its source God. The highest and truest expression of love, that is the perfection of it, the pinnacle of it, it is found in God. He is the perfection of God, that is uh, of love. That is where love is uh, is defined. But actually, we're told more than that. There at the end of verse 8, God is love. Now, you've probably heard that before. Uh, You've probably read that before. The the kids are colouring it in right now. But just dwell on that for a moment. 
because it's really important it's really profound notice what john doesn't say john doesn't say god loves i mean we know that's true that is very true but he says more than that love is not just something that god does love is what god is god is defined by love you know we we read through the bible you know that god shows grace god shows mercy but we're told here that god is love love is what defines him here's here's what one how one commentator puts it he says to say god is love implies that all his activity is loving activity if he creates he creates in love if he rules he rules in love if he judges he judges in love all that he does is the expression of his nature which is to love See, that's what we're professing when we say God is love. We're saying that all of that God is, all of that God does, is from love. Everything. Always loving. See, what that's telling us is that God has never done anything for any one of you, for any one of his people, that has not been born of love. Yes, it may have been hard. Yes, it may have hurt. Yes, it may be terribly confusing. You perhaps still bear the wounds today. But it is all in love. All of God's actions are from love because God is love. And therefore, anyone who professes to know God or have any sort of relationship with Him, that is, believe in Him, will love like Him, will bear that family resemblance as His children. But what does that love look like? Well, we're told, aren't we? Look at verse 9 and 10. Uh, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. uh, It would take days to unpack all of this stuff, but let's just note a few things that John's telling to uh, us here. He's saying, first of all, God's love is first. God's love is proactive. It didn't wait for us to start loving Him. It didn't wait for us even to be lovely. God just acted. As we sung before, God loved us first. We see, as Ellie pointed out, God's love sent Jesus. It sent His only, perfectly loved Son to come into this world to save us from death and to give us life. We see God's love sent Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Uh, Kids, here's the the hard word. We we saw it a couple of weeks back. It's the word propitiation. Propitiation. Uh, Maybe your parents can spell it for you. Maybe not. It's quite tricky to spell. Uh, Propitiation. Here's what it means. God's love, turning aside God's wrath, in jesus that's propitiation god's love turning aside god's wrath in jesus maybe you can think of it like this Uh, i've never been to london but i know that in london you have the thames river uh, huge big river and and right at the heart of the city in fact um, you can say that the thames is the reason that london is there it was a source of food it was a source of commerce it still is Uh, it is the 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 lifeblood of the city i think that's that's not going too far 
But sometimes the Thames is the danger of the city as well. Uh, huge storm surges can come down from the North Sea and push up the Thames and it can create terrible devastation. It, it happened in the 50s and huge parts of London were, were wiped out by these storm surges, were, were wiped out by this flood. See, the lifeblood, the Thames of this city can be its danger as well, can be a threat to its existence. So what did they do? Well, they built the Thames Barrier uh, or barrages. It's this enormous set of structures across the River Thames. When things are, are good, they're, they're all wide open and the river can pass through and boats can go up and down. It's, it, the, the city functions well, that, that's how it's designed. But when things are bad, when this storm surges on its way threatening the city, they can close that barrier. And it protects the city because it takes the full brunt of that storm surge moving up the river. It, it bears all its weight and all its fury and it diverts it away from the city and London is safe. And so it is with Jesus. We exist because of God. Our life is in God. But we were in danger from God. Because we were sinners. We deserved His wrath. We deserved devastation and destruction from Him. That's, that's what we had earned. But God sent to us Jesus. To stand in our way. And to bear the full brunt of that fury and, and surge of God's wrath. And its entire weight fell on Him and He bore it in His death. And therefore turned it aside from us. And we were safe. That's propitiation. That's what that word means. Jesus' sacrifice of love for us. Love that saves and love that gives us life. That is how deeply and richly and beautifully you have been loved. For the God who is love has in love sent Jesus for you. To bear the wrath you deserve. To take the punishment you had earned. So that you would live forgiven as his child. You have been loved. And you are called to love. Look at verse 11 and 12. Dear friends, since God so loved us we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. With that love that we have received, we are then to go and love one another. And as John describes, when we do that, something quite remarkable takes place. Now, as he points out, people can't see God. He's, he's not on display for us to you know, point at and, or take a picture of. But John says it actually doesn't matter. <laughs> It doesn't matter because people can see God, see the God of love in you and I, in our church, when we love one another. When we show that love, we display God who is love to those around us. Uh, I, I never met one of my, my orpers, one of my grandfathers. Uh, he died when I was only a couple of months old uh, from memory. And so I, I never got the chance to, to meet him or, or learn of him. But I did meet his son, uh, my dad, and I have met his other children, my uncles and aunts. And even though I never met Alper and never got to know him myself, 
I actually know a fair bit of what he was, he was like. Um, not just because of the stories I've heard of him, but actually just by watching how my dad and how his siblings operate. The, the, the way they act tells me a lot about who my opa was and what he was like. And so the question John is asking us is the same then. When, when people look at us, when people look at our church, at the, the way we treat each other, do they see God? Do they learn of God when they see our love for each other? Is it obvious? Can they learn of Him? We are called to love as God has loved us. Proactively, uh, selfishly, selflessly, sorry, sacrificially. Love is love that takes the initiative and acts. Love puts aside its own interests for the sake of others. Love accepts the cost of hardship and hurt in order to act. What does it look like for you to love your fellow Christian that way? What does it look to uh, love those sitting around you like that? What does it look like to love your connect group that way? What, what loving first steps could you take this week? Where have you been holding on to things, uh, holding on to self rather than showing this sort of love? What sacrifices have you been reluctant to make in order to be loving like you have been loved? See, if anything we've learned of love, we, we, we see in God that love doesn't wait till it suits itself. Love doesn't, you know, get its own house in order first. Love isn't always counting the cost. How did God love you? Well, do likewise. But how? I mean, how? It, when you stop and think about that, that's terrifying, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's scary. Can, can anyone actually love like that? Can we do that? I mean, it's, it's going to hurt, isn't it? It's going to wear us out if we really do this. And le- I mean, let's be honest with each other. We don't want to be you know, left empty. We don't want to be burnt out by this. How can God call on us to do something like this? Well, He can do it because He offers His assurance to us as well. Look at verse 13 to 15. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world if anyone acknowledges that jesus is the son of god god lives in him and he in god now it feels a bit convoluted Uh, i totally get that but when you start to pick it out, we can see uh, John's reasoning here and the, the assurance that he's offering to us. Um, just, just look with those verses uh, with me. First of all, he reminds us of the Spirit. Now, we, we've learned of the Spirit uh, through this letter so far. And the Spirit's presence for us is our assurance that we're in God. The Spirit is our assurance. It's that seal, that reminder that we are in God. How do we know the Spirit's in us? Well, John's told us. The Spirit points us to Jesus and keeps reminding us of Jesus and sending us back to Jesus. In fact, we're told we believe in Jesus by the Spirit's power. We confess His name by the Spirit's work in us. And remember, 
Uh, I hope you're following with me here. Remember, when we do that, when we confess Jesus' name, we're not just confessing who he is or that he's come. We're confessing what we've seen before. We're confessing the love that he has shown to us. So what does John say? We'll look at the start of verse 16. And so, because of the Spirit's work in us, we know and rely on the love God has for us. Um, rely is, is the word believe. And I think that's perhaps a slightly more helpful translation because it brings us back to the bottom line, doesn't it? And the, the bottom line is very simple. Remember, remember what you've believed. You've believed God's love has acted. You've believed that God in that love has sent Jesus. You believe that love makes you a child. You believe that love forgives. You believe that that love brings you into that close and personal relationship with God. You in Him and He in you. John says, remember what you've believed. And therefore, remember what that means. Look at the second half of verse 16. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. John is saying everything that you've believed, everything that you know to be true, what John has taught, what you have heard, what you have received, what you know through the Spirit, everything there is your confidence on the day of judgment. Uh, that is the day that Jesus returns, the, the day that he comes in the clouds of heaven with trumpet blast in, in glory and majesty, the day that he comes to set up his throne on the earth and judge every person. On that day, John says, there is no fear for any of God's people. Why? Because of what we've believed. Because we've believed and we know that we are in God and God is in us. That we know His love. And therefore, we don't look at that day with fear. But we look at it with confidence. His love, perfect and rich and deep, it drives out that fear of that day. <laughs> His love has saved us. His love is ours. His love is our life. And so we look at that day not with, not with anxiety, not with concern, but with gladness. Yes, in awe, absolutely. But not in fear. Because we believe what that love has done for us. And we know then there will be no punishment on that day for any of God's people. Instead, there will be only the welcome. The welcome of a father to his beloved children. Now, it feels, feels like we've taken a long veer away from where this passage has been going, but let's bring it back now. How does that help us love today? Well, it reminds us we have nothing to fear in love. We have nothing to fear on that day. We have nothing to fear on the day that Jesus returns, and therefore, nothing to fear until that day. And so we can love as we've been loved. Our great fear has been dealt with. And so our littler fears 
and nothing beside it. Uh, maybe you can think of it like this. Um, when, I was at, when I was at Bible college, there was a particular unit that was coming up that made me very nervous. Uh, it was a Hebrew unit, um, and Hebrew is not my strong point. Uh, <laughs> it's all Greek to me. Uh, sorry, I just couldn't, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't help it. Uh, the reason I was nervous about this unit was it had an exam at the end. Uh, and in the exam, you had to translate a page of Hebrew. Now, I'm bad at translating Hebrew on the best of days with my computer and all my resources. Doing it in an exam under pressure, like, it's just not going to happen. So you can imagine then my relief. Uh, when just before I took this unit, it was announced that it had been restructured. Uh, there was no more exam, actually. There was just more assignments. And so I did that unit, and I did it very confidently. I, didn't, I don't think I did terribly well, but I did it because I knew that that thing that I was scared of, that thing that I didn't think I'd be able to face, wasn't there anymore. It was gone. And so even though the unit was still hard, I could do it. And that's what John's offering here. That's what John is reminding of us here. That big thing at the end of time that might be very scary for us that's taken away. That fear is swallowed up in love. And because that bigger fear is dealt with, so too our smaller fear. It's, it's nothing besides that, is it? We can deal with that. If the fear of the last day is dealt with, if that fear of punishment or rejection is swept away in God's love, then the fear of the cost of love now, that's nothing, is it? That too is swept away in God's perfect, powerful, eternal love. That's good news for us. Because, I mean, honestly, we, we do fear loving sometimes, don't we? we? We've got all sorts of questions and hang-ups and hesitations. Now, what if our love is not returned? What if our love's not noticed? What if it's never appreciated? What if, what if it goes unseen and people just keep asking things of us? What if that love costs us dearly and it actually leaves us incapable of doing other things that are important to us? What if that love brings us to the point when we're just worn out and too tired and burnt out? We ask those questions, don't we? I mean, maybe not verbalize them like that, but they, they sit in our mind as hang-ups. They make us hesitant to, to go too far. Well, there's a couple of things that John says today. I mean, firstly, that's, that's nothing like the love that we have, is it? <laughs> It doesn't describe God's love for us at all, does it? But secondly, remember what John says here. Keep preaching to yourself what John has told us here. That these fears are nothing in the face of what God has done for us. Our greatest fear, our greatest uncertainty has been swallowed up, has been taken away. God has given us eternal security and confidence in His radical love for us. And our, our, our fears, our temporary limited fears, they're nothing compared to that, are they? they? They belong to this day, this time. Our eternity is taken care of. And if that fear is taken care of, what else do we have to worry about? What else can really harm us? It frees us, doesn't it? It frees us. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be afraid. Because God's perfect love has overcome our greatest fear. And our littler fears too. And so we can love. 
We can love without hang-up. We can love boldly and recklessly and, and proactively. Yes, I know, we need to be wise. We need to uh, be careful. But I think if we're honest, the pendulum we've swung is so far away to, to, to being cautious that we've actually got a lot of room to move, don't we? So be loving, be reckless and bold. And be confident in that. Not only will you stand on that last day, but you'll stand on every day until then too. Confident in what God has done. Glad in the love that you've received. With no fear then and no fear now. So love those around you. Verse 19 through 21. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. If you have believed the God you haven't seen, then love God's people whom you can. Love his church, the people you can see right now. The visible representation of his people. Love, love them first. Love them fiercely, love them gladly, love them sacrificially. Not because you're so great at love, <laughs> not because you're so strong. Uh, don't try to do it out of the depths and reserves you can somehow muster within yourself. Uh, don't do it by simply screwing up your energy and, and taking one further step. You can't do that. You can't do it. If you try to love others without that deep knowledge of, uh, and confidence in God's love, you will burn out. And you probably do it spectacularly. It will lead to resent, to despair. You cannot sustain that. You cannot do that. This is how Christian love endures. What John has been describing today. This is how Christian love keeps going after years and years. Even after frustration and anguish. Even through hardship. It keeps going in God in the great love that he has lavished on you in Jesus now and forever, rooted and established there. See, God doesn't just say love. God says you are loved. You are loved wonderfully and richly now and forever. And so love in and with that love. Our love story is not a tragedy. It's not destined for despair and heartache and hurt. It is for good. For life. Forever. Because God is love. And in Jesus, he has loved us. Let's pray. Father, it is hard, this calling that you've put on our life, to love one another as you've loved us. It, it's, it's daunting, if we're honest. We know the cost. Uh, we find it draining, even painful at times. Lord, we confess that so often it just feels easier to hold back and to, to play it safe. But we've heard this morning, really, we're just acting in fear. 
Forgive us, we pray, and, and show us your mercy again. Remind us by your spirit of what you have done for us in Jesus, who we are in him. For Father, your love uh, was never held back. Your love sent Jesus, who gave up his own life for us. Lord, may you ground us, may you establish us in that love. May it be our confidence today and every day to fulfill your calling on us and to show the love that you've given. Lord, help us. Help us to be people of love, proactive and selfless and sacrificing as you have done for us. Father, may we love one another that even though the world may not see you, they may see uh, you in our love, see you in us and be drawn to you to come to know you for themselves. Father, work in us to this end, we pray. In Jesus, our Saviour's name. Amen. Now, I've used these words uh, a couple of times throughout this uh, series um, because they just are so appropriate to this book. Um, but I want to end on them again. They're, they're words, uh, a prayer from uh, the book of Ephesians, from Ephesians chapter 3, and it, it mirrors so wonderfully what we've seen today. And it's very much my prayer for us, for us as a church. So let me read them for you from Ephesians chapter 3. I pray that out of his glorious riches... He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.